We are uh, beyond the halfway point now in our series on the book of Ephesians, where we are uh, examining the text. Uh, I love this style of communication because we don't get to cherry pick anything or we don't get to try to make the text say something that it's not saying. We just get to read the Bible and talk about it. And that's what we're doing. And, and, uh, and so I'm excited that we now are uh, in chapter four. Last week we were in chapter four and we hit some of chapter five and now we're circling back through. But what we've seen now is that last week as we got to chapter four, Paul began to shift in his writing. Paul's writing to the church at Ephesus, and Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, uh, is writing this book uh, chained to a Roman guard. He's on house arrest uh, for preaching the gospel. He is a prisoner of Rome, and, uh, but Paul, uh, so often in his writings, makes it clear that he does not identify himself with his issues. His issues are not his identity, and so he doesn't say, I, Paul, a prisoner of Rome. No, he says, I, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, that he is the one that I am enslaved to, that I, I serve him and him alone. And uh, we see that Paul has been building a case here the first few chapters of who we are in Jesus Christ, what has been done for us, the the spiritual blessings that have been poured out on those people that he's called and redeemed. And we've realized that God is pulling us in. He's drawing us into a relationship with God. And so I didn't just find God. I didn't, you know, just say, okay, God, I'm looking for you. No, no, he's been drawing you. He's been drawing you in, and and we talked about how it's kind of like a current, and we can tend to go against the current a lot of times. And and when we come to Christ, we're simply just submitting to the pull. We're saying, okay, Father, whatever you have, I want that. And we just allow him to pull us in by his spirit. And so we've got to see a lot of neat things. And then last week, we realized that Paul now is starting to spout off all these imperatives He's got some 40 imperatives in these last few chapters where he's saying, okay, now because all this has been done for you, you're chosen and you're redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Now you've got to walk out a life that reflects that. And that's what we talked about last week is how we should live a life worthy of the calling, the calling to be one with Christ and, and that our walk should be that of such that it's, it reflects the worth of that relationship of Christ. And so we got to dive in to that and look at that. And then today we're going to circle back and look more at being equipped to walk out that life. And so I'm excited about that. And then next week we'll talk about being equipped to walk out that life in our house and what it looks like as parents and as children in that family unit. And so so today we're going to continue our study in Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to see Paul as he's in this vein of, of being grounded and foundations and roots, we see these building terms and these um, biology terms. We see all this stuff being used together um, as he talks about us growing in Christ. And so Paul is going to talk today in Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verse 7. He's going to begin to talk today about us growing and maturing in our faith. And so I would love if you would stand with me today as you grab your Bibles uh, bring your Bibles to church. If you don't have a Bible, we have them for you. They are located on the side walls. There's bistro tables with stacks of Bibles. I would encourage you, take one. It is yours. Matter of fact, you paid for it, okay? <laughs> so it's yours. Uh, your tithe money paid for that. So grab a Bible if you need a Bible. Uh, but find your, uh, your way to Ephesians chapter 4. And when you've got your place in Ephesians 4, go down to verse 7. That's where we're going to start today. We're going to read all the way to verse 16. 
If you're ready to read today, say, let's go. All right, here's Paul talking. Ephesians 4, verse 7. He says this, But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, When he ascended on high, that's Jesus, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. Verse 11. And he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful, and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so it builds itself up in love. Father, we thank you for your word. This word is not just a book. It is alive and active. It is God's very words. And so, Father, we treat it as such. That's why we stand in reverence of it. And, Father, now we open our hearts to receive it. Speak to us, Holy Spirit. Change us. Make us more like Christ today. That's our prayer. May we leave this place more like Christ today. And, Lord, we love you and we honor you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You can be seated today as we talk around the subject. It's time to grow up. It's time to grow up. Nobody likes to hear that, right? Like kiddos, when your parents tell you, it's time to grow up. You graduated four years ago, and you're still playing video games in my basement. It's time to grow up. Come on. You, nobody likes to hear it's time to grow up, right? But Paul, that's what he's saying to the church, to us as Christians. He's showing us that if we would grow up in Christ, if we would mature in Christ that, man, what God wants to do is going to be bigger than we can ever ask or imagine, that if we as the body of believers would be equipped and would build up the kingdom of God, that we would uh, be a part of something bigger than ourselves. And so he's showing us here that when every part is maturing and growing then it, and it's working properly, then the church, the corporate church, is going to be built up. And so he's, in, he's telling us individually, it's time to grow up. And he's saying as an individual, if we individually mature, then the church grows up as well. And so this is an, uh, uh, um, a corporate thing and an individual thing that he's telling us, that we don't need to be children any longer, that there's a season for us to be a child, but we must mature in our faith and grow up in that. And he gives us these warnings of why we need to grow up. He tells us, as we would just kind of reflect back on verse 14 in our text, he tells us why we need to grow up. And I want to read that verse again. 
He says that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves, just living life, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness, and deceitful and deceitful schemes. So Paul is encouraging us to grow up so that we're not like children that just go with the flow. Just I'm just living life on a raft, and wherever life takes me, that's where I'm gonna go. And Paul is, is zooming in on a, an aspect of a child because the Bible would also say to be childlike in our faith, right? So what's Paul saying here? Well, when he talks about a child, he's saying, don't be easily tricked. Don't be easily deceived. Be, don't lack discernment. Because a child oftentimes will lack discernment. They're easy to pull one over on. They're easy to trick and to manipulate. And so he's saying, don't be carried away by every wind of belief, by every strange wind that blows through the land. Don't be uh, so easy to jump on this ship and jump on this ship and this bandwagon and, and this bandwagon. Don't be so easy to do that. Don't be like a child that does that. And then he, he also would tell us in, in Colossians, Colossians chapter 2, a lot of the same language here, but he gives us some more insight. He says, Therefore, as you received Christ the Lord, so walk in him. That's what we're doing, as we talked about last week. Then he says, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Then look what he says. He says, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy or empty deceits, according to human traditions, according to the elemental spirits of this world, not according to Christ. And so we see a lot of the same language here. And, but Paul puts in a detail here that he doesn't necessarily put in in Ephesians that kind of gets us on the same track of what Paul's talking about. He's saying you need to be rooted in the truth. You need to be grounded in the truth. And so I can grow up when I am grounded in truth. I can grow up when I am grounded, not, not like when your parents ground you, right? Like, go to your room, you're grounded from that video game, you know? No, 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 he's saying I can be stable on a solid rock, a firm foundation. I can be grounded when everything around me is, is blowing with the wind, when the hurricane's coming and everything's being ripped apart, everything's being destroyed, everybody's bending and bowing down. No, no, I can be grounded in truth. I can be grounded in this word. And Paul's being very intentional with his language. Notice in Colossians, he said, so you're not held captive. You're not held captive by this philosophy, by this empty deceit, by these elemental spirits. Notice what he says, these elemental spirits of the world. And then in Ephesians, when he talks about the cunningness and the craftiness and the schemes, those are words that he's used elsewhere, not to describe people but to describe the spiritual, the, the demons and the demonic and the dark forces of this world. And so what Paul is saying is, is that we must be grounded in the truth so that the work of the devil doesn't influence our lives. That we must stay grounded in God's truth. And now, he does put in there in Ephesians 4, the word human. Human cunning, human, human deceit, trickery. Well, why is that? It's because the devil, just like God, uses people. He operates through people. And so there are people in this world that believe different than, the, than what the word, the word says. 
You, you know it. You're like, man, they, they're totally deceived. They're totally misled. They're totally misguided. What they're preaching is not true. What they're living is not true. And you as a follower of Christ, you can, you can yell at them. You can roll out research to them. You can show them scripture, all those kind of things until you're blue in the face. And it will never do any good. Why? Because we're trying to do it with our human tendencies. But Paul's letting us know it's a spiritual attack on their life. It's a spiritual stronghold. And so we got to recognize the attacks that the, that the enemy does and how he, just like God, he uses people. So the enemy uses people as well. And so we must be grounded in that truth. Grounded in that. And then Paul, as he's talking about growing up, he gives us a key verse that I don't want us to skip over. We've read it in verse 7. And it's a key verse that a lot of times we don't understand. It's a verse that we just kind of keep going. But look back at Ephesians 4 as we grow up, as we start to mature. Look at what Ephesians 4 verse 7 says. It says, But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. So there's a gift that each one of us has been given. So what verse 7 is telling us is that Christ has given us a gift, and he's referring to spiritual gifts. Now, if you've read any of 1 Corinthians, maybe you've read about spiritual gifts. That's one of the most popular things of passages of Scripture. But what Paul's saying here is that every Christian has been given a spiritual gift. Every Christian. Now, this is a part of our growing up. This is a part of our maturing that we must realize that God has given us a good gift and that it is a spiritual gift. Now, when we talk about spiritual gifts, sometimes it can be a little confusing, a little scary. Sometimes we're like, oh, I don't know about all that. I read about 1 Corinthians and they've got all these gifts and I just don't know if that's my gift and I don't know if that still operates today. And it's a little daunting. Um, but, but we must understand that every one of us have been given a spiritual gift that not only did God choose you, not only did he redeem you out of darkness, not only did he rescue your soul from the grips of Satan, not only did he bring salvation to you, but he gives you a gift. Every one of us. If you're a follower of Christ, God has given you a spiritual gift. Now, you were born with your unique identity and your abilities, and as you work in your career and as you develop, you're going to develop skills you earn those things, you develop those things, but there's something that you didn't earn, something you don't deserve, and that is a gift. It's a spiritual gift. And so uh, Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4, he says, Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are a variety of service, but the same Lord. And there are a variety of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them in everyone. To give, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. That's spiritual gifts. That, that, that when you operate in your spiritual gift, it is a way for God to come down by His Spirit. He's, he's flowing through that gift. Notice that. It's a manifestation of the Spirit, the Bible says. For the common good. Verse 8. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another working of miracles, 
to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one, that's the Spirit, and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. And so we see some of those listed there, uh, the gifts of the Spirit, but the reality is there's over 20 spiritual gifts listed in the Bible. And every one of us have been given one or more of those gifts. If you're a follower of Christ today, you have been given a gift that maybe it's one gift, maybe it's ten gifts that, that God has been, it's as, he, as He sees fit, as He wills. And so we need to understand that God has given us a gift. And you might say, well, well, how do I discover it? How do I know what my spiritual gift is? Well, first and foremost, you can read the Bible about them. You can pray and ask the Lord. But if you need help with that, guess what? Step three of Growth Track, which so happens to happen today, is all about spiritual gifts. And I promise you, I didn't plan my sermon around that. But that is exactly what it is. We, we go through every spiritual gift. You take a, a gift assessment to kind of help you with that. But pray, ask the Lord what is that gift that you've given me? Why, why do I have this gift? God, why did you give me this? Well, I can answer that one for you today. As we read in Ephesians 4, if you want to go backward and come through some more verses, let's, uh, let's go to verse 11 of Ephesians 4. He's going to tell us why we have been given a spiritual gift, why this helps us grow and mature in our faith. Ephesians 4, verse 11 says, And he gave, that's God, God gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to do this right here, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry and for the building up of the body of Christ. And so why do I have this gift? It's for the work of the ministry. God has given you a spiritual gift so that you can serve the body of Christ, so that you can work in the ministry. And you're like, hold up, hold up, I'm not a minister. What, what, what? I thought the pastor's the minister. No, no, no. The Bible's clear. If you're a Christian, you're a minister. Pastors are just equippers. I'm just an equipper. I'm equipping you for the work of the ministry. And so I know that in certain denominations, when they title a pastor the, the, the minister, you're like, well, no, no, he's the minister. He should be doing all the work. That's why I pay my tithe, all right? Like, so he does everything. Come on, being honest. But no, we must understand that, that every one of us are ministers. If you're a follower of Christ, you're a minister. Minister means you're the one doing the ministry. So you are a minister. And so we see that it's not just the pastor's job. But, but that, doesn't, that doesn't give us an out. Because if pastors and teachers, if we're not doing the equipping, that we're doing a disservice to the members, to the saints, to the church, to the body of Christ. And so we must be doing our part to equip. If, if we're going to tell the church to grow and mature and be grounded in truth, well, guess what? We got to preach the truth. We got to let you know that there is a way, that this is the way, that there has to be truth. And so we see that we have a job as, as ministers, as pastors, as shepherds, as teachers. We are to be equippers in this. And so what does this do? How does this help me grow? Well, once you discover that gift and, and once you begin to use that gift to serve the ministry, then you're maturing in your faith. You're not just sitting on your hands. You're not just letting that gift, gift stay wrapped up. You're unwrapping it and using it. So I want you to know today that I grow up when I use my gifts to minister to others to minister to others. And so this is an important flow that we begin to see now in the text that Paul starts out by saying, okay, you've been given a gift and, and God gives you grace for that gift. 
But then he begins to talk about the church. And he begins to talk about how God's appointed certain positions in the church to equip the saints to do the work. So that I must now take that gift, use that gift to do the work of the ministry, to serve and to minister to other people. So it's a, we need to know that it, the gift is no good unless we use it, unless we unwrap it. And it's just like parents. It's just like if you were to give your, your kids a gift or maybe for you, a husband, you give your wife, to, a, wife a gift or, or maybe you give your friend a gift. And man, you thought through that gift. You worked hard for that gift. You knew that that gift fit them so well. You didn't just go buy a generic gift. You didn't wait till the day of, but you were, you were thinking about it. What, what do they like? How do they operate? What's their favorite hobbies? All these things. And you bought this gift catered to them, and you give it to them, and they don't open it. Well, well so much, it's no good, right? It doesn't matter how good it is for them or how good it is for other people. It's no good. But beyond that, I want you to think about this. The gift giver finds fulfillment not in the passing off of the gift. The gift giver finds fulfillment when that person opens it up and they can see their face, right? As they look at that gift and they know, oh my goodness, they care about me. They thought about me. It's the same way with God. Is that when he gives us good things, the Bible says, he gives us good gifts. God's not just excited and happy and finding fulfillment at the giving of it. It's when we use it and we operate it. And then God is, that is my son in whom I'm well pleased. That is, my, that is my servant. That is my daughter. And so we must use the gift for the work of the ministry. So I can grow in Christ when I serve other people. When I'm using my gift to serve other people. First Peter talks about it as well. You can write First Peter 4 down in your notes. It says this in verse 10. As each has received a gift, each... We've received a gift. Use it to serve one another as stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To Him belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. So we are to use this to serve one another. My spiritual gift doesn't bring me honor. My spiritual gift doesn't serve myself. No, no, it serves other people and it brings God honor. So in everything we do, whether in word or deed, we do it for the glory of God. And so church, he's, he's growing us and he's maturing us, letting us know that he's given us tools needed to build up not only our faith, but the kingdom of God. That we are called to, be, to not just worry about myself, but to worry about other people. And so your spiritual gift is a service gift. And it's to build up the body of Christ, not just yourself. Look at Ephesians 4 as we keep reading. Start in verse 15. In verse 15, Paul says, Rather speak the truth, because I'm grounded in truth, speak the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, they're using their gifts, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So what's Paul doing? He's, he's telling us that, yes, individually we grow, but not only that, when we're doing our part and working properly, then the, the church, the corporate church, grows. He's using a lot of terms here, 
a lot of, a lot of t- imagery here of like biology and like organs in your body, right? Like he's talking about all, like the body. And, and, and have you ever heard of like hypoplasia, I think is what it's called? Hypoplasia, it's where uh, one organ has failed and so thus it has failed and not, it's not growing and maturing and operating accordingly. Then it affects not only that one organ, but it affects all the other organs in the body. And so when that one organ fails to develop and mature with the rest of the body, it affects not only that one spot, but the health of the overall body. And likewise, it can be for us as followers of Christ in the church, we can be undeveloped, immature, like an organ in a church that's unhealthy, and it will affect not only our spiritual journey, but the life of everybody else. So we must not grow just in our, because of ourselves, but we must grow for the common good, as the scripture just said, so that we can grow for our fellow Christians, so that we can be built up and functioning properly, so that, that we can be something bigger than ourselves. And so we see here that saints are singular. But when we serve and when we minister using our spiritual gifts, then the body corporately is built up. And so this is something bigger than ourselves. This maturity process is not just for you. This maturity process and growing up is not just to benefit you. It's not all about you. When we read the scriptures, this text is not all about us. It's not about us individually. It's about us corporately, that we are a part of the ecclesia, the church that Christ is building, and each one of us plays our part. And so everyone, when, we, when everyone plays their part, the church is built up. When everybody plays their part, the church is built up. I'm playing a, a vital role in building up. So what are we? We're bodybuilders, right? That's what we are. We're bodybuilders. I know you can't tell, but I'm a bodybuilder. I'm building up the church as I use my gift, as I operate in my gift, because we are all just bricks in this wall. Brick by brick, God is using you. And in this house, as you accept the fact that you've been chosen and redeemed and saved, you've got to accept the fact that God wants to use you. Regardless of how you got here, regardless of your past, God wants to use you. And so what you must do is accept that responsibility and grow up. Mature in the faith. Paul would say elsewhere, he said, when I was a child, I thought like a child. I had childish ways, but then I grew up and I did away with my childish thinking and my childish ways. We too, just as a human child grows up, we need to grow up because God wants to use me to build his church, to play a part in this family. You see, if we understand this, we can see church a lot differently. If we're being honest, we can oftentimes see church as a place where I come and I consume. I come and I have this consumer mindset where I, I need something from God. I got to get mine. I need to, I need to get my praise on. I need to get my blessing. I need my word for this week. I need to get, get, get. And we have this consumer mentality. Now, it's okay to come in like that for a season, but you can't stay like that. That we must go in our minds from this consumer mindset to a contributor mindset that I'm not coming just to receive I'm coming to contribute to make a difference in the lives of other people in the lives of those people that God is sending here and so what Paul is telling us he's building a family that we're not to be consumers we're to be contributors each one of us playing our part so that when Thanksgiving comes around and everybody's bringing their potluck and their dishes I'm not the one that just came to eat 
I came to bring my sweet potato pie that's better than everybody else's, right? I'm contributing my <laughs> gift. I'm using it. I'm, I'm building up the church. That's what Paul's telling us. And so I'm not here to point fingers and to say, well, you need to grow up and serve. You need to do this. No, no, no. We're healthier than we've ever been. The dream team is healthier than it's ever been. We're not here because we're desperate for help. We, like, we need you to serve. We need you to go hold a baby. No, 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 no. This isn't about what you can do for us. This is what can we do for you. Then you need to understand that, that there's more inside of you. That God called you to something greater, something bigger than yourself. And if we would lay aside the thoughts in our head that take us captive that hinder us, that hold us back from being used by God, if we would break those chains of bondage, of bondage off our life and realize that God has given me a gift and He wants to use me to do exceedingly more than I can ever ask, think, or imagine, that I am bigger than something, that I'm a part of a family, that I'm not just consuming, I'm contributing, I'm rolling up my sleeves and I'm playing my part. And so when I come to church, I don't view church like Walmart, where I just get in and get out. Like, I got my checklist, I pay for my goods, and I get, out, I get in and get out. That's a consumer. It's a franchise. Church is not a franchise. It's a family. And so I play my part. I play my part. And so I don't, I don't walk in Walmart looking around thinking, man, I can't wait to volunteer here. Like you, most of you would be honest. You, you can't even get paid. You wouldn't even, you, you're like, I don't even want to get paid to work at a place like this, right? Why? Because it's just transactional. It's just they're providing a, a service, and we're paying for that service. Church is not like that. You're not paying for a service. Your tithe doesn't give you rights. It gives you responsibility, right? You're, you're, you're a part of something bigger than yourself. And so, and so it's like this. If you're a guest in my house, if you're a guest coming over to eat in my house and to fellowship in my house, then I'm going to cater everything around you. I'm going to find out what you like to eat and drink. I'm going, to, I'm going to make sure that my house is clean. I'm going to make sure that everything's good. I'm going to serve you, right? You, you have limited access to my family because you're not a part of my family. And so that limited access, it doesn't give you responsibilities. That limited access gives you a service. I'm going to, I'm going to treat you. I'm going to do this. But when I think about my children who are part of my family, they don't have limited access. They got full access to everything. And so they got some responsibilities. I'm not going to serve and cater to them. They're going to get up and make their own drink. They're going to take out the trash, right? They're going to clean up after themselves. That's the same picture that we're creating here as a church. If you're a guest, we serve you. And we're hospitable towards you because we're flowing out of our hearts of hospitality that we genuinely want you here and care about you. But the moment that God calls you to this house and you become a, a, a brick in the wall of what God is building, then it's time for us to get off our hands. And it's time for us to get off the sidelines and get in the game and use the gift that God has given you. Don't just go and try to serve wherever and do whatever. And Okay, well, well the pastor says I need to do something, so let me find something. No, no, no. What has God gifted you with? What does he get? Because it's not what you can do for me. It's what can we do for you? I'm an equipper. I want you to find your spiritual gift. I want you to operate in that. Why? Because you'll be fulfilled and the church will be built up. And so God is building his church. He's building his church so that we can be the strong tower. He's building his church 
so that we can withstand the winds of this day. He's building his church so that we can be a place of refuge. He's building his church so that when everything around us is sinking sand, when everything around us is crumbling, when everything around us is bowing down and caving in, that there's a place. There's a place that will withstand the winds. There's a a place that will withstand the attacks. And God is using you, you, He's using you to build that place. That it's not one man. It's not the sacrifice of a few. But it's everybody coming together, linking arms, using their God-given gifts to operate, to build the kingdom of God so that I can grow up and be grounded in truth, that this house would be a house of truth, that we don't shy away from the truth, though it might not be popular and though it might not build a a packed-out house, we're going to preach the truth. And so I mature to grow in the truth. And then I realize I've been given a gift. I can't just sit on my hands. I've got to unwrap this thing. I've got to use this thing. So many of us are looking for purpose, looking to be used by God. Can I tell you, it starts with the gift that he's already given you. And so I grow up to use that gift, not to serve myself, That apple tree don't produce apples so that it can consume the apple itself. No, it's so that others can eat of its fruits. And so God wants to use your fruits, the evidence of your faith, what he's going to do in your life so that other people can taste and see that the Lord is good. God wants to use you. So I don't eat my fruit. I don't consume my fruit. An apple tree only eats of its fruit when that gift goes unused and it falls and it rots and it decays. And some of us have been sitting in the house for so long that we think our gift is gone. That I haven't gotten the game for so long that I don't even know what to do. Can I tell you that though that apple might rot, the gift of God is lasting forever. That God's gift that he gave you some 25 years ago when you gave your life to Christ is still needed and new and relevant today. And so everybody, we play our part. And when I play my part, the church is built up. I just imagine what would it look like if we accepted this responsibility, every one of us, myself included, to become grounded in truth, applying God's word to my life. And when I do that, I realize that he's given me a gift, and I begin to serve the body of Christ. I'm just a brick, but when that brick, and 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 that brick are built upon one another, and Jesus Christ is the cornerstone of that building, the gates of hell cannot prevail. The attacks of the enemy cannot stand a chance against the church. Because God said, I'm going to build my church. He's building it, and he's using us. And so imagine how strong we would be. Imagine what God could do in this place and through this place if we came in through the doors, not with a consumer mindset, but a contributor mindset, saying that I'm not coming just to get mine today. I'm coming to give for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And so if you accept that call today, would you bow your heads and position your hearts for the Holy Spirit to now speak to your life, to speak to your situation. And maybe for you, it's, God, I need you to show me my spiritual gift. God, I'm right now taking captive the thoughts 
that disqualify me from my spiritual gift, from my calling, from being equipped by my pastor. As you close your eyes and you reflect on this word, on what God is speaking to you today, would you begin to ask the Lord to show you how he wants to use you? It's a dangerous prayer to ask the Lord to be used by him. For when we position ourselves as just clay in the hands of the maker, we position ourselves as a vessel to be used by God. God will put us in places that are outside of our comfort zone. He'll put us in situations that's beyond our own ability, our own control. And it is in that place that God strategically places you so that you can fully depend on him. And in this moment, as you are now asking the Lord of that, I I know that there are people in this house, if you're being honest, you don't fully depend upon the Lord because you don't have a relationship with him. All that I've said today is nothing without a relationship with our God. And in this moment, the Holy Spirit is here. He's drawing you in, God's very Spirit, His presence, and His one desire as a father, as a parent, is to give a good gift of salvation to His children. And as you're in this moment today, honest with yourself, honest with God, and you would say, you know what? I'm far from Him. I'm not close to Him. You speak of a God who is good. You speak of a God who gives. I look at my life and it seems like all He's done is take. I've had loss after loss. Heartbreak after heartbreak. I'm here today to encourage you with the Word of God that says that He didn't promise us that we wouldn't go through the storm. But He did promise promise us He would be with us in that storm. The call to come to Christ is not a call of comfort and convenience, but that of crucifixion, where you right now, as you surrender your life to the Lord, you are saying, not my way, God. I put off my ways, and I put on the mind of Christ in godly ways. And the Bible says that he will stick closer than a brother, that he will lead you and guide you into all truth, that you don't have to walk this earth alone, that you can be reunited with your creator. You don't have to wait till heaven to be in a relationship with God, to be near to him. But in this moment right here, you can be near to God. All he asks is that you submit to him. You surrender your ways and receive his ways. You say, Father, I'm, I'm sorry that I have sinned, I've missed the mark. I haven't lived up, I haven't lived your way. I'm sorry, forgive me of those sins. Father, would you cleanse me of my past? I believe that you are the one true way, you are the Lord. I believe in Jesus Christ who died for my sins and I believe that God raised him from the dead. 
If you confess that today and believe that, the word says you are saved, secure, rescued, out of darkness, now set in light. You're now on mission by God to push back the darkness, to advance the kingdom of light. And so in this house today, if that's your next step, it's to give your life to Jesus. Nobody's looking around. They're allowing God to minister to them, receive what God has for them. Would you, in this moment, allow God to do what he wants to do in your life and lift up your hands and say, that's me. I'm giving my life to Jesus today. I'm surrendering it all to him. Would you lift your hands in this place and say, that's me. I'm giving my life to Christ Jesus today. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Anybody else? I'm giving my life to Jesus today. As we're in this moment of reflection, would we now stand all together? We're going to stand, in, and this is a time where we respond to what God just did in our life. And we respond through worshiping Him, showing Him our worth. And we express that with our lips today. And when we leave this place, we express that with our actions. And we walk out the life that God has called us to live. Our prayer team is making their way to the side walls. And they're here to pray for you to go to God on your behalf, to touch and agree. Maybe you're believing for a miracle today, a breakthrough today. You need God to touch a situation. These guys have been praying the whole service for you. And they would love if you would do them the honor to go to them and to pray with them. Maybe you raised your hand. That was your next step, was to give your life to Christ. I would encourage you to go to them. Tell them that. Not only are they going to pray with you, they have a Bible they want to give you, a new believer's guide they would love to put in your hands. They want to partner with you on this faith journey because you don't have to do this alone. Though you might be a brick, there's other bricks around you. Brick by brick, we're all coming together and God's building something beautiful. So Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for what you're doing in this house. Thank you that you're building your church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Thank you, Father, that each one of us, as we accept this responsibility and we mature in our faith, as we grow in our walk with Christ, we grow into Christ today and under his lordship today. Father, that it is something beautiful. The church gets built up. We mature. We're no longer children, but we're walking on a firm foundation. We're strong in our faith. Thank you, Father, for that. Thank you, Lord, that you provide a way for us to mature and to grow. And now each one of us, we're discovering that gift today. We're using that gift today, not to consume, but to contribute, to be who you called us to be. And Father, we thank you for it today. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name.